Hi, this is Gaurav Palkar. And this is Salil Palkar. We are the founders of Mumbai-based Turon Beer Company and the hosts of this podcast. This is episode 4 and we are discussing dark beers. Gaurav, the one image of beer that we have in our minds, for most of us at least, hmm. is a yellow golden drink with a white head. Right. And that's because most of the beers around are like that. Right. But the first known beers were anything but golden yellow. Yeah, if you would have asked a person from 18th century to describe beer, he or she would have said it's a dark, almost black, sweet, heavy drinking alcoholic beverage. Hmm. So why were beers dark then and, and why did they get lighter with time? The simple answer to that is advancement in malting techniques. I'll quickly explain what malting is. So, barley comprises mainly of starch. This starch needs to be converted into sugar that can be fermented later into alcohol. Right. Malting enables this conversion of starch into sugar. Now, malting is done in three stages. In the first stage, the grain is steeped in water to kickstart germination. In the second stage, the grain is allowed to germinate for around 5-6 days. In the third stage, the germination process is arrested by drying it in a kiln at higher temperatures. Different varieties of malt are obtained by subjecting the grain to different temperatures in the kiln. Right. For example, the light-colored malt, like the Pilsner malt, is kiln at around 85 degrees Celsius, while the Munich malt that we use in our basil blonde is kiln at around 115 degrees Celsius. Mm. There's another way in which the germinated grain is directly roasted to give darker malts like chocolate malt. And there's roasted barley where unmalted barley is directly roasted at very high temperatures. Right. So a dark beer gets its color from either roasted malt such as chocolate malt or roasted barley. That's right. So let's go back to that period when the beers were primarily dark. This was a time when brewers had three different varieties of malts available. One was a very pale colored malt, one was an amber colored malt and one was a brown malt. Hmm. This brown malt was smoky which also made the beer smoky. Brown malt was more commonly used then because it was much cheaper to produce than pale malt. Right. So that pretty much explains why dark beers were more common and they didn't really have a great reputation, did they? Yeah, they weren't really palatable. And one more thing, we are mainly talking about the beer scene in the United Kingdom in 18th century. So let's discuss the two most popular dark beer styles. Of course, it's porter and stout. And again, 18th century UK is very important to this discussion. Right. As I mentioned previously, the brown beers weren't really palatable. At the same time, the pale beers were gaining popularity. Now the brewers realized that if the brown beer was stored in wooden vats for several months, not only did the smoky flavor of the brown beer mellow out, but this wild yeast called Brettanomyces that lived in the vats gave the beer a pleasant tart flavor. Mm. This beer became very popular amongst London's working class, especially the porters who used to ferry the cargo around the city. Wow, so popular that the style got its name from them. Exactly. And it became so popular that porters were exported to countries all over the world, including India. Mm. Porter as a style has evolved, hasn't it? 
I mean, one could say that the brewer's interpretation of this style has changed over time. For example, the porter as we know today is not tart. Right. And especially with the growing popularity of stouts, the line between the two has blurred even more. Mm. So let's talk about stouts first. And then we'll talk about the characteristics of today's porter. And of course, the differences between the two styles. Sure. You know, I find it very interesting that stout was used as an adjective to describe porters. Where stout porter meant a porter that was high in alcohol content. Yeah. And now stout stands tall as an independent style. Yeah, in the early 19th century, a new technique was invented for roasting malt. This malt was called black patent malt. Shortly, breweries started substituting the brown malt with this black patent malt. In fact, breweries in Ireland completely stopped using the brown malt and started using this black patent malt. The legendary Guinness is a prime example of this, isn't it? Yeah, Guinness brewed its beers using just pale malt and the black patent malt. These beers were much drier or less sweeter than their English counterparts. By mid-20th century, Guinness replaced the black patent malt with roasted barley that made the beer roastier and gave it a dry bitter taste. So that's the Irish stout or the dry Irish stout as we know it today. Yep. And it's also the most common representation of a stout, isn't it? Yeah. You mentioned how Guinness shifted from black patent malt to roasted barley. But there's yet another change that they effected, and that's the use of nitrogen. Why don't you talk about it? Yeah, so generally most of the beers are force carbonated with carbon dioxide. Mm. Back in 1950s, Guinness started experimenting with nitrogen to carbonate their beers. It was basically a mixture of nitrogen and carbon dioxide. They discovered that using a mixture of nitrogen and carbon dioxide gave the beer a nice, thick, long-lasting head and a creamy mouthfeel. Mm. That is because nitrogen does not dissolve in any liquid and the nitrogen bubbles are quite tiny that result into a pillowy head. It almost gives the impression that you are drinking a milkshake. Right. A bit of trivia here. Gauravi went to Guinness Storehouse in Dublin in 2016 Mm. and got certificates for pouring the perfect pint of Guinness. Yeah. Now, the back of that certificate says that it takes 119.5 seconds to pour and serve the perfect Guinness pint. Now, that's an awfully long time. Yeah, the reasons involved physics and a bit of marketing. Guinness designed taps that were intentionally made for nitrogen pours. There is a mid-pour waiting period where the beer is allowed to settle so that the head separates from the beer, after which it is topped off. This time-consuming pour became a talking point in pubs. So to turn around this negative perception, Guinness launched a campaign, Good Things Come to Those Who Wait. Nice. Quite brilliant. You know, I find it very interesting that a lot of people have this impression about Guinness and about stouts in general that it's a very heavy beverage, it's meant for winters. Mm. But Guinness or Irish stouts in general are quite light-bodied. Yeah. And it takes me back to your post uh, from May 2018, I think, where you had brewed a dry Irish stout at Brew Lab in Sunderland. Mm. And you mentioned that this is the kind of stout that you would drink in Mumbai. Exactly. And at Two Down Beer Company today, we have Dark Matter, which is an Irish stout. Mm. And it's your tribute to Guinness. Yeah, Dark Matter is not only a tribute to Guinness, but it's also a tribute to the times when stouts were in nitrogenated. 
इट हैज ऑल दोज रोस्टेड डार्क चॉकलेट कॉफी फ्लेवर्स ऑफ एन आयरिस डाउट ऑल दो वी डोंट नाइट्रोजनेटेड बट आई यूज सम ओट्स इन द ग्रेन मिक्स दैट गिव्स अ नाइस क्रीमी टेक्स्चर इट्स नॉट हैवी एट ऑल एंड डार्क मैटर इज फोर पॉइंट फाइव परसेंट अल्कोहल बाई वॉल्यूम सो इट्स प्रिटी सेशनेबल स्पेशली इन दिस हॉट मुंबई वेदर एंड आई एम ग्लैड दैट इट्स बीन रिसीव रियली वेल सो फार I think now is a good time to talk about the differences between stouts and porters because you also brewed a coffee porter earlier this year. Yeah. We called it bean there and that. So how would you explain the differences between stouts and porters using the examples of dark matter and bean there and that? Like we discussed previously that the lines between a porter and a stout have blurred over the years. The way I see it is a stout is roastier than a porter. Our dark matter is brewed using roasted barley, while bean there done that is brewed using chocolate malt. Mm. Chocolate malt has a subtle roast character as compared to roasted barley. Dark matter gets its uh, dark chocolate and coffee flavors just from the roasted barley and crystal malt that. we've used while we've added coffee in bean there done that to complement the chocolate malt another difference is in the appearance bean there done that is dark brown in color while dark matter is much darker almost black right there are quite a few good irish stouts and porters in maharashtra today i can think of kimaya's vanilla porter yeah. as an example of a porter mm. there is effing goods dry irish stout which is also quite good Now that we have talked about Irish stouts, let's now discuss some of the other popular stout types, namely milk stout, oatmeal stout, and the imperial stout. So let's start with milk stout, which was once prescribed by doctors as a tonic suitable for lactating mothers. Yes, the combination of milk and stout was considered nutritious. However, milk stouts are not brewed with milk; they are brewed with uh, milk sugar or lactose. Now yeast can't consume lactose, so lactose stays in the beer and makes it heavy and gives it a bit of sweetness. Milk stouts are slightly less roasty than an Irish stout, and they have a medium heavy body. Because of the creamy mouthfeel, they are also called as cream stouts. Hmm. Drifter's Milky Way is one example I can think of of a milk stout. Yeah. Let's move on to oatmeal stouts. Hmm. So dark matter has oats. but it's not an oatmeal stout the proportion of oats in dark matter's grain mix is too small for it to be called an oatmeal stout the proportion of oats in oatmeal stout is much higher oats give it a silky velvety mouth feel oatmeal stouts have a medium to heavy body and the sweetness lies uh, somewhere between a milk stout and a dry stout dulali has an oatmeal stout yeah mm. so moving on to imperial stouts now Unsurprisingly, uncommon in India. Yeah, but American craft breweries love this style. Strong porters or stouts were exported to Russia for the Russian royalty. The Russian royalties love strong beers. That's where the term imperial stout comes from. Imperial stouts are rich, complex, boozy stouts, and you can't gulp down an imperial stout. It needs to be enjoyed at a leisurely pace. Mm. Nowadays, a lot of American craft breweries even barrelage their imperial stouts. That just adds another dimension to the complexity. Brewers make really interesting versions of stouts, right? I mean, yeah. I remember Alchemy of Bangalore had a filter coffee stout. Mm. 
A brewery in Florida also brewed a maple bacon coffee porter. Yeah, roasted barley and roasted malt impart these dark chocolate and coffee flavors. And there are a variety of ways in which you can amp up these flavors or use ingredients that complement them. Right. You know, I hate the idea of beer cocktails. Me too. But the one beer cocktail that I've been curious about for ages is a cocktail called the Irish Car Bomb, which was once mentioned by Tarantino in one of his interviews. And it offends the Irish, so it's also called as Irish Slammer. So the way you make it is you take a mixture of Bailey's Irish Cream and Jameson in a shot glass Mm. and drop it in a glass of Guinness. And you need to gulp it down before the Irish cream curdles. And I can't wait to try this. Hopefully, we'll get to do it with dark matter soon. Yeah, hopefully. We'll talk about two more dark beer styles. The first is an English classic called Dark Mild. And the second one is Dark German Lager or Schwarz beer. Let's start with Dark Mild. You love them, don't you? Oh, yes. In fact, I'm a huge fan of uh, British brewing traditions. Uh, As far as dark miles are concerned, two important changes happened in the last two centuries. One was that Britain passed a law where brewers were allowed to use sugars in beer. Second was higher tax on alcohol during the First World War, which meant brewers preferred to brew beers with lower alcohol percent. That's how mild deals with an alcohol strength of 3-4% to were born. So what are dark miles like? Well, dark mites are obviously dark versions of mild ales. They are brewed using dark malts and or dark sugars. They have a nice, subtle, nutty, roasty character. And since they are low in alcohol, you can easily drink more than a couple of pints in one go. Yeah, that was one of the reasons back then why we had decided to launch our brand with a dark mild. While that didn't happen, we did brew a dark mild twice and we called it Jolly Good. Yeah. I absolutely love Jolly Good and it was quite something that an online publication called Gurgle rated it as one of the top Mm. beers of 2019. Talk about how you brewed it. Jolly Good is brewed using roasted barley and some crystal malts that give it a lovely mahogany color. And in line with the convention of using sugars in dark miles, I've used organic jaggery in Jolly Good. For bittering, I've used the classic or the East Kent Golding's hops. And it is fermented using a British strain. And even at 3.3% alcohol by volume, it's quite flavorful. Absolutely. That brings us to the last style for today. And that's the dark German style lager called Schwarzbier. Just like standard lagers, Schwarzbier too is supposed to be very drinkable or sessionable. Yeah, exactly. Schwarzbiers are brewed with Mainly pale malts along with a small percentage of roasted malts. This gives the beer its dark colour and adds a roasty dimension to the clean, crisp lager. Toit's Dark Vader is an example of Schwarz beer, right? That's right. In conclusion, I would like to reiterate that dark beers get their colour and their flavour profile from the use of roasted grain. Mind you, these beers are not made entirely from roasted grain. Roasted grain forms only a small portion of the grain mix. I also hope that we have dispelled some dark beer misconceptions such as dark beer is bitter, dark beer is heavy, dark beer is always strong and that dark beers are meant for winters. That brings us to the end of episode 4 of To The Pint. We are Two Down Beer Company. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and please share this podcast. 
Cheers. Thank you.